she speaks your words tonight, dear Heavenly Father, through your direction and by your anointing, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you. All right, well, we met back there in the green room, and we prayed before this, and um, I said, God, I just don't want to be boring. And I mean, really, you know, I mean, I, I just want the anointing. I, it, I just, I can come here and I can give you something that Kelly has and you might feel good for about five minutes, but your life ain't going to change. But your life is going to change when the anointing is here and when God comes. And so um, I just want to pray over, over you really quick before we get started. So, Lord, I just release revelation in the name of Jesus. I release aha moments that, Lord, it's a paradigm shift that as we saw things one way, we see things your way, Lord. The small truth versus the capital T truth, Father, of who you are. So I just release revelation into the atmosphere in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so um, well, before we were praying, before we get into this, I was just asking the Lord if he had anything. And something I feel like is maybe there's somebody here that you have a decision that you're needing to make or you are confused on what God's calling you to right now. And there's a scripture that sits over my fireplace, and it says, um, Lord, give me the desires of my heart and make my plans succeed. And so what that means is, God, give me your desires. Give me your desire. So I just want to release into the atmosphere right now the desire of God over everybody's life here. That means when you were, when you were in your mother's womb, he knew you and he prepared the good works for your life. And so that means that your plans were laid out before you took your first breath. And so our job, our job is to get in alignment with, with the voice of the Father. Because it's already laid out. And so I just release in the name of Jesus clarity in the atmosphere today. If there's anything you're confused about, if you're not knowing what God's calling you to in this season of life, I lose clarity right now. Just receive it in Jesus' name, Lord God. I pray that you would give them dreams. I pray that you would give them words of confirmation. Lord, they would open up their Bible and you would breathe on them and they would know that they know what they're supposed to do. And I ask you for the gift of passion. I ask you for the gift of passion to drive them to drive them towards what you're calling them to. And I speak courage of the Holy Spirit, Father God, to go when everything looks like they don't, they can't go, that you would give them courage to step out in Jesus' name. Okay, so um, uh, like I said, a few months ago, I came to Jeremy and I was like, man, this teaching, if you've heard of Randy Clark, um, I have a teaching of his and I have taught it before, I've studied it, and it is about the basis of pretty much the basis of healing. And, and it teaches us how we go after healing, how to receive healing, and how to go after healing. And he just puts it out there so good. And so I gave it to Jeremy, and I said, you know, I've taught this before. You can teach it, whatever. It's great. And it just so happened, this is the time. So you are not here by accident. You are divinely placed here. And they're handing out some papers because I got a lot of teacher in me, and that means when you go home, I want you to have the verses that I used to, today. Maybe you could spend some of your quiet time going through some of these verses and letting God speak to you. Because tonight, we are going to talk about foundation. And before I jump into all this good, crazy stuff about what the Bible says about healing and uh, deliverance and, and all of those cool stuff that goes with it. We have to get our foundation right. So tonight is all about foundation. And do you know how important foundation is? 
Oh my goodness. So we have got to know what our foundation is. So there's a story in the Bible. And so I'm just going to jump in here and I'm going to read it to you. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. And it's about a foundation. And it's about if you build your house upon a rock or you build your house upon the sand. So therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. That's what you are. You are a wise man. You're a wise woman. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall. I want you to see that. It did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house up on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So I just thought this um, picture was pretty cool. You know, it, let's look at this. They, this house built was on the sand over here, and this house is on the rock. It gives you a very dramatic illustration of how important it is what you build your foundation upon. And so uh, my family, we deal a little bit with uh, real estate. So we have some rental properties, some flip houses and things like that. And Buddy was telling me the other day, he was like, when I go into an older house, the first thing I check to see if that foundation is good is if the door will shut. Because a bad foundation, the door will not shut. You, you catch what I'm throwing out here? All right, let's, let's move it over into the spiritual world. You building your life upon the sand, your doors will not shut. And do you know how the enemy gets into your life? Through an open door. And so it is so important that if you don't build your life on the foundation of the rock of what Jesus Christ said here, then your doors will not shut. And do you know what? It, the enemy will have his coming and going. In Ephesians, it says in uh, Ephesians, let's see what my next picture is. Okay, so yeah, so that was my next picture for the foundation. But Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Okay, so in the Greek, when you look at that, it's like, you know, when you're fighting with somebody and you like slam the door and they stick their foot in there and the door can't shut, then that's a foothold. And so don't you, don't let the devil get his foot in your door where it won't shut. And one of the ways that he gets his foothold in there and he gets his foot in that door and you can't shut it is because your foundation is not on the rock. And we're going to look at some scriptures tonight and we're going to look at what is our foundation, what do we believe. But it is so important that we've got to get to the roots of this and figure it out. So knowing our foundation is key. And, and spiritually, this is what I'm going to be looking at tonight is like spiritually, what is your foundation? You've got to know your foundation. And you also got to know that that starts with knowing what God said. And so we can go to church and we can be raised up by, you know, sometimes I think it's a handicap to have like a, a really, not a handicap. 
because it's, it's a blessing. It's the way God meant it. But when your mama and daddy love Jesus so much, and they created the atmosphere of God in the home, there becomes a day when you realize, I can't live on mama and daddy's atmosphere anymore. And so you have got to know what the Bible says. You have got to know what the Word of God says. And you've got to put that inside of you. So I'm really, oh, man, I had it to where it slid in. It lost it. Okay. I worked a long time on this. But we're here we're going to go with it. So number one, you've got to know it. You've got to know it right here in your brain. You've got to know the Word of God. How do we know the Word of God? You can be participative tonight. How do we know the Word of God? Reading it. Amen. Yeah, yeah. We got to open that book up and we got to see what the Word of God says and we got to put it inside of here. Okay. But knowing is not enough, is it? It has to make that six to 12 inch drop, however long that is, to the heart. And guys, we've got to believe it. You've, there are so many Christians that are walking around that know the Word. But it's not <clears throat> become a heart knowledge. It's only a head knowledge. And you will get your butt kicked if, if, if can I say butt? <laughs> you will get your butt kicked if you just know the word of God and you don't have a revelation of the word of God. You know what I mean? So, we've, so that means we've got to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. We've got to get inside of the word and we've got to say, a quick lesson. The word word in Greek, there's two Greek words for it. One is logos. And that is the written word of God. So as I read these words that are wrote out with letters, that's the written word. But there's another word for it, and it is the rhema word. And rhema is this, the God-breathed word. And so what you have to do to get that 6 to 12 inch drop down here is a rhema word from God. And that means the God-breathed word. So it's not enough just to read it, but Holy Spirit, come and breathe on this. What do you mean? You know, I was raised up in, 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 um, in church, and I'm so thankful for it. But um, one thing as I became an adult is I realized that what I was taught was not the whole truth. I thought I got some really good stuff, but I realized there was some stuff I was missing. And so when I went somewhere and they were telling me some more things about it all, and I was like, wow, that sounds foreign, but it could be true. I don't know. I went to my word and I searched it out and I said, God, you teach me. You teach me. And as I read the word, I let him breathe upon me. And so we have to have that, okay? So we can know it. We got to believe it. And then, guys, knowing and believing is not enough because we have to put it into action and we have to walk it out and we have to practice it. So here we go. I'm going to give you an example. Um, I'm reading the word. Bless those that curse you. Well, that's just, I mean, this is the way it is. So, amen. Bless those that curse you. Yes, Lord. And then you're, you're having that, and he's dealing with you, okay? About turning the cheek, blessing those that curse you, and all of this. So then we walk out into the world, and then we deal with somebody who actually does that to us. So what's your action going to be? If, if what we are looking at is freedom. We are looking for healing, deliverance, salvation, uh, prosperity in every area. All of these things, what God promised us. And he said, I died upon the cross. And we're going to talk about that, what he did upon the cross. He already defeated the enemy. 
But the problem is, is that we want to know it and we maybe kind of want to believe it, but we don't want to act on it. And if we don't act on it, we don't get the inheritance. And um, so I'm preaching to myself. What do you do when you, when you have those feelings towards somebody that you know has been talking about you or that says something to your face or whatever that is? We have got to get in the word and then we've got to be obedient and walk that out. So knowing is not enough. Believing is not enough. We got to put them all three together and that is the action. Okay, what about the woman with the issue of blood? She bled for, I don't know the statistics, a long time. And then she spent all of her money on doctors. And here she is and she needs healing, right? You think she knew that there was healing in Jesus? Do you think she believed? But you know how... What she did do is that she took action and she went out and she sought him and she touched the hem of his garment. So some of you are sitting out here and you need healing and you're like, I know God's a healer. I believe he's a healer. But you may have to step out of your chair. You may have to go pursue him like that woman did and touch his garment, whatever that looks like. It's going to take some action on your part. As... uh, as the woman touched the hem of his garment, and we have to take action, and I'm talking about all these things, how we have, to, we have to believe, we have to have faith, we have to walk it out. Here's the reason that, I, that I'm so passionate that I'm talking to you about this tonight is because you and I are either walking into something, we are in the middle of something, and we are, or we're walking out of something. And there's probably a little break in there in between, but that is on repeat for your life. And so it's, it's an unrealistic expectation that we're going to come to an arrival point in our Christianity where there's, there, where there's the unicorns and rainbows and the glory. I mean, you know, we get to walk in this, but the deal is, is there's no arrival point because you're in a war. So earth is a war. You're in a place that's not your home. And, and, and we're going to get into this a little bit more, but the thing is, is that we have to understand that life is hard. Life is hard sometimes. So don't ever think it's not going to be hard. If somebody told you, punch your ticket for salvation and be a Christian and you've got it made and it's easy, they were lying to you. Because you entered into, you entered into military duty. You entered into a war. And so we have got to be equipped to how to walk all this out. So I am so excited about this verse. Are you ready? In the world, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. John 16, 33. So what I want to look at really quick, and this verse encompasses so much tonight. Okay. God help me. God help me teach this. In the world, you will have tribulation. So I want to look at that word tribulation. We're going to go back to world. In the world... He's saying, hey, guys, this is the way it is. You're going to have some trouble. You're going to have some things, that Greek word for tribulation, that crushes your heart to where you think it took your breath away, that you don't know if you're going to be able to take another breath. Jesus is saying, yeah, you're going to have those moments. But he also said, but be of good cheer. Fear not. Take courage, that word means. I have overcome. And the, and the Greek word on overcome doesn't mean just I overcame for this situation. It's a, it's a reoccurring overcome. So he said, I overcame, I overcome, and I'm overcoming. 
I have overcome it all. He says, so don't give up. So don't give up. I've overcome this world. Press through. I want to tell you, when you have those times that you feel like your breath has got taken away, I want you to go back to this verse. Jesus told me I'm going to have trouble. But I'm going to take courage. I'm going to fear not. I'm going to press through because I know he has overcame. And uh, so I just think that's a scripture that sets us in line to know, hey, you know, there's going to be hard times in this world and everybody out here can nod your head. And when you're coming out of a hard time, I'm not telling you that to to be scared of the next time, but it's just life. So when hardship comes, you're not shocked. You're like, I'm going through. Jesus is overcome. What tools do I need to, that I have in my tool belt to, to use during this time? Right, I want to look at that word world. And before I go into the next slide, in the world you will have trouble. Okay, so um, there's some scriptures and it's on your paper and you can go home and read them when you get home. But it says that Satan is the prince of this world. Okay, Satan is the prince of this world. Well, and then I started thinking when I was reading this, but there's a scripture that says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I'm like, does it make a lot of sense here? God, you said you, you own the world. It says the rocks will cry out and praise you. I mean, everything in the world is yours, Jesus. But, but, but Satan is, is the prince of the world? You're going to have to help me understand this. And so he did. Are you ready? The world is cosmos. This is, this is, you need to put this in your pocket. This is going to change your whole life. The, it's the systems of the world. When you see world... It's, it's the systems of the world. Satan doesn't own the trees and the rocks and all of that stuff. It says that he is the prince of the world. So let's look at that. Culture, society, anything that has an order to it. So as some examples is I was reading this week and doing some study in the, Greek, the fashion industry. So can you see as everybody's watching what the Kardashians are doing and what they're wearing and whatever that is and how it can just like some people are so, you can see the enemy's all, all in that. Okay, um, education. Can you see the enemy in the education world? Um, entertainment world. Government. <laughs> That's a non-brainer. <laughs> you know, today I was thinking... My, my brain gets confused when I read some of this stuff because they were saying that abortion is a slap in a woman's face, but yet we have a Supreme Court person that cannot define what a woman is. I mean, it's just so confusing. So, okay, so that's who Satan is. He is the author of confusion. And, um, and so uh, religion... Sorry, guys. Organized religion. Satan's the prince of, of, of order, of systems. So that's why you'll see so many times in, in denom- man-made denomination, you'll see the enemy get his foothold in there sometimes. If you haven't experienced that, then praise God. But if you have, you know what I'm talking about. So he's the prince of this world. He's the prince of the systems. So let's reread that with what we just learned. In the systems of this world, you will have tribulation. In government, in education, and in all of the systems, you're going to have some troubles. 
And just in, in life, we're going to have some troubles. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the systems of this world. And I just thought this was beautiful because what we're walking through in this specific time in our life, in, in our government, and in our education, and in a lot of these systems, we see the enemy raising his head up in there. But here's, here's the deal, is that do not fear. Do not fear. And this has really hit home to me is because, you know, you can get caught up in maybe scrolling past that news reel of whatever or watching it on TV or whatever that is. And you can just like, oh, my gosh. Or I've had people come to me. It's like, I don't know if I want my kids to have kids. What this world's turned into. And you know what I say? For such a time as this, you, your kids have kids because they're going to advance the kingdom of God. So our children were born for this time. They need to go, go reproduce and have some more that are born for this time and take the kingdom of God back. So these are the arenas that, um, that Satan has. Uh, so these are the arenas where Satan attempts to influence mankind. And so it's really good that we understand that Scripture has prepared us that Satan is the prince of this world because he goes in and he is, he is on an attack against mankind. And right now he is on an attack of not only mankind but of the woman, and which started in the Garden of Eden. And we see that this world is these systems. So all the systems. Aha, but wait. 1 John 4, 4. And we're going to look at some scripture. And I pray God breathes upon this scripture we say tonight. Because I know a bunch of scripture can just make you think, oh, but no, this is going to be revelation in the scripture, guys. Um, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one, so he's saying, you know, guys, you're going to have some troubles. You're going to have some tribulations. But fear not, I've overcome the world. And the one that is in you is greater than him than greater than the evil that is in these worldly systems. So what, what should that mean? That, I mean, should we just like have a bunch of, like, we should have that warrior spirit raise up inside of us. It's like nothing's coming against me, right? But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. And you will see uh, that I have some more scriptures here that talks about that uh, Jesus came to destroy Satan's work. And we'll just keep, it, it just keeps coming. Colossians 2.15, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them and triumphing over them by the cross. Okay, so this is, this is one of my favorite verses because I've really dissected it, and I want to tell you what this means. Is that, and having disarmed, so he disarmed the enemy, and the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them. So public spectacle means that, okay, the language that he used in this, they knew what he was talking about by the words that he said. Because when a, when a military went in and conquered somebody, their leaders would take the spoils, take all the gems, take all the things that they, that they took from this town or whatever it was, and they would have a parade. And then they would pray through their town and everybody would have a party. And even the prisoners of war would be, you know, like in, in handcuffs back here, you know, being a public spectacle, walking through in this parade. And, uh, and so it was a party. 
because it was a victory party. And so that's what Jesus did. He overcame, he overcame, and he, oh, he disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. See, the cross and the resurrection disarmed the enemy. But you're like, well, why do I still get beat up? Why is there still much evil in this world? Why am I dealing with, you know, this, this, and this all around me? And so the forces of hell are already defeated. We believe that. But however, even though they have been legally stripped, legally stripped of their authority and power, they continue to roam this earth carrying out evil deeds like criminals, like bandits and thugs. Just like criminals who refuse to submit to the law, these evil spirits will continue to operate in this world like that until somebody rises up and say, you have no authority. Okay, so I've used this illustration before because it's my favorite. But if you, have, if you have a big semi-truck coming down the road, and you have a puny little guy that's a highway patrol, not really a big guy or anything, but he's a highway patrol. And he gets out of his car or whatever, and he does this. What has to happen? What does that semi have to do? And so it's the same thing. You know, the, the enemy has some power, but he doesn't have authority. And so what you're doing tonight is you're waking up to your authority. You're waking up to say, stop. You have no authority here. But you have to know your authority, and you have to know your foundation because your door will not get shut if your foundation is not solid. And when he comes in, you're going to get beat up because the door won't shut. Does that make sense? It's going to make more sense in a minute. So... Until somebody uses their God-given authority to enforce that they're defeated. And that's what you're doing right now. That's what you're learning right now. That's the tools you're putting in your pocket. It's the authority that you have through Jesus Christ, the cross and the resurrection. And we have to know it. That's why we get in the Word. I'm telling you, I've served God for a long time. And there's been seasons of my life when I got tired. I'm just being really honest with you here. That's all I know to be. And I may be set on the back row for a little while. And I may be checked out a little bit of life. I told somebody, I felt like, anybody ever watch tag team wrestling? So I can remember being a kid and like, you know, uh, the tag team wrestling in there. So they would get in there and they would do all that stuff, whatever. And then they'd go and they tagged the other guy he jumped in. And I've sat on that back row before and I've just thought, I just need somebody to tag. I just wanted to tag somebody and check out for a little bit. And in those times that I was not in the Word, it wasn't on the forefront of my mind, and I did not advance the kingdom of God like I had the authority to. So I'm just telling you, I know I've served God for a long time, and if I check out and I get back and I don't keep it up there, that I am not warring against the enemy and taking my authority. So we've got to know this. And as iron sharpens iron, we've got to create an atmosphere that when somebody is tired, that we're stirring them up that we're spurring them on. And this church is that. Let me tell you, I've experienced it. Moving forward, Luke 10, 19. All right, I have given you authority. Amen. It's the scripture, it's the word. Do we all agree that we believe the word? Yes. Okay, he's given you authority. To trample on snakes <coughs> and scorpions and to overcome the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. Can I get a water? Can somebody get me a water, please? <coughs> I'm sorry. 
So in Luke 10, 19, it says that you have been given authority to trample on snakes and scorpions of the enemy. You've, give, you've been given authority for this. Now, here we go. We're going to go a little bit, little bit deeper here. Let's look at this together. He said to them, go into all the world. What's the world? The systems. He said, guys, go out into the systems and preach the gospel to all creation. Thank you so much. And so <clears throat> go out into the systems and preach the gospel to all creation. And now all creation, just all people, all mankind, all races, just all people. I want you to go out to those systems and I want you to preach the gospel. And these signs will accompany. So I don't know what some of you are going to do with this verse right here, but we'll see. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. And they will place their hands on the sick, and they will get well. They will recover. He said, go out to the systems, preach the gospel, and these things will follow you. Why do these things not follow us? Because the systems have conformed us. I'm preaching to myself. The systems have conformed us. We no longer are heavenly minded, seeing things spiritually, but we are lowly minded because we have been conformed to this world. And we'll sit in church and we'll say, do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we say, amen. The whole time we're being conformed. And, and the deal is, is man, I, I really am... I have dealt with the spirit of people-pleasing. I have dealt with, I want people to like me. But the fact of the matter is, it really isn't supported in the Word. I mean, my concern of people, you know, liking me doesn't need to deter me from serving the Lord. And sometimes you'll look a little silly. Sometimes, you know, sometimes. <laughs> All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on there. But that, that was a powerful verse, wasn't it? When he said, go out to the world and preach the gospel and those things will follow you. And I'm preparing us for a foundation because we're going to address, we're going to go after healing and we're going to learn, you know, how to pray for somebody. We're going to learn how to receive that. We're going to learn how to be set free from strongholds because we probably all have some sort of strongholds in our life. And we're going to learn how not just to be set free one time, but live a lifestyle of this. Um, we're going to learn how to receive a word of knowledge for somebody, all that cool stuff. But we can't go there unless the foundation's right. And so that's what we're doing tonight. So Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we were healed. Isaiah 53, 5. By his wounds we were healed. Well, when you take that word back in the Hebrew... The only meaning that healing can be is a physical healing. And I'm going to talk about a word next week a little bit. It's called sozo. And so sozo is um, translated salvation in some scriptures. And then sozo's translated healing in some scriptures. And then sozo, the Greek word, is translating deliverance in some scriptures. The reason being is you could get confused about, like, what's sozo mean? Well, sozo means what Jesus did on the cross was sozo. 
he paid for your salvation, he paid for your healing, and he paid for your and he paid for your deliverance. And it's just it's really plain throughout the word that a whole compassing of freedom happened on the cross. And so when I discovered this, the big question that comes into my mind, then God, why are we still getting beat up? Why do I see Christians? you know, struggling and, and, and getting beat up in this world. And so I think we can take that deep dive here and we can first say, okay, number one, our foundation is this, that Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross. By his stripes, I was healed. By his blood, my sins were washed away. I was made righteous. By, by his death upon the cross, it says that he purchased my peace. The, his punishment brought me peace. So emotional healing, spiritual healing of salvation, the physical healing, it was all purchased on the cross. And so when the deal is, is when you dig into the word, we got to see, man, this is the way it is. But walking it out, you're in a war. And so uh, John 19, 30 when Jesus was on the cross and he took his last breath and they said that, you know, as he's on the cross, that nail is, that huge nail is in his feet. It's um, in his arms and he's laying and he's, and he's slumped down here. And they say when that, when you're hanging there, it takes the breath out of you, you know, but the last thing he did is he picked up enough breath to say it is finished. And when he scripture supports this, when he said it was finished, there was a curtain that was in the Holy of Holies. And that is the only place they could go to, for the cleansing of sin because the high priest would have to go in and he would take a sacrifice of like a, a lamb and he, he would sacrifice that lamb once a year in the Holy of Holies. And, you know, they had, it's funny because they had bells on them because if he wasn't living a holy life, he might get struck dead and they would have to, if the bells quit ringing, they knew they had to put a hook in and drag him out because he's dead. So he, that's the way people, you know, got their, uh, their forgiveness is through that sacrifice. And so this curtain that was hanging there was like three hands thick. So like that, that thick. And then it took 300 men to hang the curtain. That curtain, when Jesus rose up and said, it is finished. And that Greek word means the stamp on it, paid in full. If you went to the store and you bought something and you gave the money, they would stamp it with that word. Yeah. And it was paid in full. And he rose up and said, it is finished. That curtain was ripped in half. That curtain was ripped in half because his death provided a straight access to the Father. Yeah. And in Scripture, the Old Testament to the New Testament, it all lines up that Jesus was... what is and was the savior so as we look back at this and we see in this world you will have troubles but be of good cheer i have overcome the world he overcame the enemy he overcame the enemy and you know i, I look in psalms and it says yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death okay do you remember being a kid and making puppet making hand puppets on the wall it was dark, but you know, you could, but if the light came on, the shadow was gone. It's just a shadow. What the enemy's lying to you about is just a shadow. Jesus has overcame that. And so knowing that we have authority over the enemy, 
knowing that Jesus Christ died upon the cross for our salvation and for our healing, knowing that you are to go out into the systems of this world and preach the gospel, and sometimes the gospel, preaching the gospel requires very few words. Maybe it's the way you live your life. It, you know, it looks, it, I'm not saying you've got to be weird. And I was, when God told me I didn't have to be, you know, super weird, I was really glad. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you'll be, you'll have to stay, step out of your boat. But, I mean, you just go love people. It's not weird to love people. Give your testimony. There you go. What has God done for you? I guarantee you I have attracted more people by being so excited by the awesome things that God has done in my life. And I just had to tell them. And before I look at it, I look up and they're in church with me the next Sunday. Because of that testimony I shared. You know, just go love people. Whatever God calls you to do. What that looks like in your life. Um, but we are called to go out. So as I end up tonight, we are going to open our Bible. And we're going to end up with this scripture. So I want you to go to Ephesians. Yeah, Ephesians 1, 19. Okay, and so we're going to read this together. <clears throat> I've had so many cool like encounters with uh, really anointed people in my life that just like just wrecked me and you know catapulted me towards the Lord. And one of them was a man from South Africa, and his name was Brother Boynes. And Brother Boynes, this is the first thing he taught me. He said, I want you to go to Ephesians, and I want you to go to these, and I want you to pray this every single day, he said. That's when I learned I took, that um, I took Scripture and turned it into a prayer. And that's just a side note here is that most of my breakthrough when I'm in those times and when I am, you know, going after something, my victory has come through the Word of God, and I would declare it and pray it as a Scripture. So <clears throat> just a little side note here is that if we're created in the image of God, and he spoke the earth into existence, right? We, so you're in his image, so that means your words have creative power. So when you speak something out, the atmosphere changes, for the good or the worse, bad. I mean, you keep saying, I'm, I'm sick, I'm tired, I'm stupid, or whatever, then you know, you're going to create that. But as you speak things forth, your words have power. I mean, I don't understand this whole thing, but I was reading today in Psalms, and it says, Oh, the stars, praise the Lord. Oh, the sun. Oh, the depths of the creatures. Oh, the waters. I mean, like, it's telling the earth to praise the Lord. And then it tells us to praise the Lord. And then it, then it says, if you don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. I mean, I don't understand how all this energy and stuff works, but it's beyond my understanding. But it's really cool. And so your words have creative power on them. And so when you speak the word of God out, you get double power. Number one, your words have power. Number two, the scripture, it says angels attend to the word of God. So when you speak the word of God, not only does your voice have power, but you're speaking the word of God that angels attend to. And I guarantee you, you have some guardian angels that are sitting up in heaven doing this right here. But twiddling their thumbs and thinking, man, when are they ever going to speak God's word so I can help them? Speak the word of God over your situations. Okay, so he, this is when I learned that. And he told me to start praying this every single day. And I want us just, I hope you're there. We're going to go to Ephesians, and I'm going to read several verses here. Let's start with... Um, all right, so let's start with uh, 16, 17, 17. And so I turn this into a prayer. 
I keep asking that the Father of my Lord Jesus Christ, my glorious Father, to give me the Spirit, so you can see how I do this when I'm sitting at home and I'm praying for it, but I'm going to read it to you. May give you the Spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you may know Him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and His incomparable great power for us who believe. Okay, so if you believe, there's a power. There's a great power. And it explains what that power is. If you believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead. Wait a second. So if I believe, then I have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead living inside of me. I mean, now you can see how God says, you know, take heart. He like really had reason to tell you to take heart because he's given you what you need. Every, there's a scripture that says everything that you need for life and godliness has already been given to you. So we keep praying, oh, Jesus, come down. Oh, I need this. Rain it down upon me. He's saying like, no, pull it out of you. I already gave it to you. Yeah. So we got to stir it up and we got to pull it out. You praying for patience? Wait a second. That's, that's, that does not make sense. Because you have the Holy Spirit in you, and the fruits of the Spirit are patience. So you need to quit saying, God, give me patience, and turn it into, I have patience. I walk in patience. All right, so keep going. The power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title, some scriptures say in every name, that can be given. Okay. Back up. He seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority. So Jesus is above all rule and authority, power and dominion. Every name that can be given out, he's above it. Not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So that just debunks anybody saying that, uh, that you know, cessation, that the, that the power and the healing, you know, doesn't happen now. It died with the apostles. That's not what scripture says. It says for the present age and the one to come. Okay. I'm telling you, the reason I say this is I've never had more pushback than preaching what I'm preaching to you right now. In my whole life, as I have, as I have preached and I have taught that Jesus Christ wants to heal you. It is his will to heal you. He does not put sickness on you to punish you. Period. And I have received so much pushback in the church from this. Because why? Because in the systems. Because the, Satan is the prince of the systems. And there's a religious spirit out there that does not want this preached. Okay, and every, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head. Okay, so I'm going to end up with this. So, I'm not a very good drawer, but you're going to get it. So, tell me, what did it, there, there's Jesus. Okay, with hair like blues. And what did it say, what did it say was under his feet? Help me out here. Okay. All things that have a name, right? All things. 
Everything that has a title or can have a name to it. Okay, all things, title, name, or under the feet. We agree. That's scripture right here. Kelly's not making that up. Yeah. All right, let's go back. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head. Okay, so it says, who's the head? Okay, good. We got that. All right, so we got Jesus is the head, and God placed all things under his feet, appointed to be head over everything for the church, which is the body. Who's the church? And what are you? That's the word. That's it. That is Jesus. He is the head. We are the body. All things are under your feet. Every time I've went after it, every time I've like, I'm, I'm throwing my life away and I'm running after God. I experience this stuff. But man, sometimes the world creeps in. There's been seasons of my life where it's been like I didn't run in and I didn't see it then. So I'm just telling you, if you're not seeing it, I understand. I've not seen it before too, but it was my fault. It wasn't God's. It wasn't God's fault. It's because I conformed to the world. We are the body, all things that have a name. If it has a name, it's under your feet. If it has a name, you have authority over it. When I very first, when I very first started um, understanding this stuff, which is probably about you know 15, 20 years ago, I um, I knew there was more, but I didn't know why I wasn't experiencing it. And the Lord has taught me throughout all of this time, you know, reasons I wasn't experiencing it. And it was me pretty much surrendering everything. And um, so I just, let's just worship a little bit. We're going we're gonna to worship. And um, I, I had to go out, and I actually flew to Florida with my husband to a church that this was happening in. And I saw it on TV. I saw the revival. And I went into that atmosphere, and I experienced a lot of miracles. I experienced the anointing. I was prayed for. I was slain in the spirit. I came back home. The people I started praying for, you know, were healed. And, and, you know, my life was totally radically transformed. But I had, to get out of, I had to get out of where I was and into this atmosphere. And I don't have the answer for why do you have to go into certain atmospheres sometimes. But... Maybe I do. It's like, you gotta, you got to stir your own well. They dug a well. That's it. I, gotta, I had to go to the place that dug the well. They dug the well, and I had to go get a drink. And so my desire is that Victory Life Church in Ardmore, Oklahoma, digs a well. And so that we can tell stories about when we went there, or, you know, they experienced this. And, you know, um, my niece had, um, what's the word? narcolepsy, OK? 
okay? She went to India. She was a missionary. Satan attacked their group. It was horrible. She had to sneak out at night and come back home. The leader of their, of their mission trip was corrupt and, and um, ended up being smuggling money and all kinds of horrible things, and she had to flee when she was 19 years old. And she came back from there, and she had narcolepsy. And we prayed for her, and we prayed for her, and we prayed for her. And I had a friend named Clarice Fluid who works in Signs and Wonders and Miracles, and she was in Oklahoma City. And I was like, let's go listen to her preach. Come up there. So I took my niece and a couple other ladies, and we went into that atmosphere, and we listened to her, and I look over the whole time, and my niece is sleeping. Through the whole service, she's sleeping. And when it was over with, I grabbed her, and I took her up front, and I stood in front of my friend, and I was like, we need a miracle. And my friend that had dug her well had prayed for her. And that night, we left there, and she was healed of narcolepsy. I don't have all the answers, but my absolutes are, is God's a healer. And we can dig a well. And we're going to learn some more about that and how to cultivate that and to quit getting our butts kicked. And to live in the inheritance that God has called us for. And to go out to a lost and dying world. The scripture says, you know, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said, to preach the good news. Well, how can we preach the good news when we're getting beat up? Yeah, we're going to walk through stuff, but we need to be walking in victory. So when we go out and preach the good news, our life is a testimony. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to stand. This is the way I like to do it. We're going to stand, and they're going to lead us in some worship. And we're just going to hear God for a minute. Okay? So let's just worship. Let's hear God. We're going to have some prayer, but we just want to see the direction that the Holy Spirit is going here. So if we could, let's just all, let's just all worship.